Take off your pants. Unleash your true self. Real unicorns don't wear pants. The knights who say niche. <laughs> if you don't get my Monty Python references, fuck you guys, okay? I know that I'm the only girl in the world that gives a fuck about Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but just, just give a shot just one time. British humor is different, and it is so fucking funny in such a different way. It challenges your brain. It's good for you. If you haven't watched Monty Python, like seriously, stop what you're doing and go watch the Holy Grail. It will change your life. And then you will get all of these little tiny little nuance um, layers that I put into all of my content where I'm, you know, kind of loosely referencing <laughs> the holy hand grenade and the killer attack bunny. Um, it's good for you guys. Just do it. So I think I'm funny. Laugh, bitches, laugh. Um, niche. God, I fucking hate it when people say that. <laughs> I hate it. They're so fancy, right? They're like, niche. I just want to change my niche. Like, oh my God, please stop it, Stacy. You sound ridiculous. <laughs> I'm a big fan of just calling it niche, but that's probably because it rhymes with bitch. And God, I love to say bitch, right? It's fun to say bitches and niches instead of niches and what rhymes with that? Mises? It's lame. Stop saying it. <laughs> Just knock it the fuck off. But we do know that all of the riches are in the niches, and that is why you know that it is niche, not niche, is because we are rhyming with rich and bitch, because that just makes sense. So you've probably heard that whole saying that you have to niche if you want to fucking make money. And you've probably heard me talk about the fact that I don't like to niche and that I wanted to work with men, damn it. <laughs> and I didn't want to have to niche down to women. And my coach asked me that very important pivotal life moment question that said, Nicole, do you want to be right or do you want to be successful? And I said, motherfucker, I want to be both. <laughs> And now I am, damn it. Um, but in the process of that, I really had to learn about the power of niching and understanding why we niche the way that we do. So let's talk about the fun stuff about niching at a bar level, shall we? For all the bartenders in the audience, um, let's dive into how fucking important is it for a bar to have a goddamn niche? Like this is crucial for success. If your bar is not niched down and you're trying to serve everybody, fuck man, you suck, right? If you have the everybody bar, please knock it the fuck off and get your shit together because you need to niche down in order to make more money because then we don't have to have a million bottles on the back bar because we could actually just strategically buy the ones that people actually drink. Wouldn't that be fucking amazing for all of your profit lines is to actually sell alcohol that people drink instead of having every goddamn vodka known to man on your back bar because you were too fucking much of a pussy to tell the rep no. <laughs> I'm on to you. I know how this works in bartender land. So the best bars in the world definitely niche down. And you see this in all sorts of cool, trendy things um, right now. You know, it's a little bit of the mixology, but it's the anti-mixology. Um, and it goes through all sorts of different market trends. But at the end of the day, it is always, always, always about catering to a very specific clientele for a very specific reason. And that reason is the result that they are there. So this doesn't necessarily mean women... 35 to 45 who are divorced and love to drink Rombauer. Yes, that is part of it. But really the true portion of the niche is why people are at the bar. Okay. So if you are in a certain kind of bar, and <laughs> I'm sure that lots of you are familiar with this one, is that you might be there because 
you're the hot bitch, right? You're the hot bitch and you're at the hot bitch bar because you're looking for that dude with the Rolex on. You're looking to get picked up. You want dudes to buy you drinks and you want those drinks to be $13 fucking martinis and $17 glasses of wine. That's what you're after. You don't want to hang out at the dive bar because then you're only attracting dive bar flies, right? And those motherfuckers don't need you. They need their mothers. <laughs> so that's not where we want to hang out if we're trying to get guys, right? If we want to get responsible, badass, professional men who are their own adults and don't need all that much mothering, then we don't hang out at the dive bar hoping to find a fucking diamond in the rough. Aladdin is not an attraction strategy, okay? So we go to the affluent bars where the prices are higher and the suits are on and everybody just got there because they've been working all day. Not the dive bar where everybody has been there since 9 a.m. drinking all day. There is a difference, right? So the result of going to this higher end bar is of course, to drink, but all bars have alcohol and you could just drink at home or you could buy booze at the grocery store and it is way cheaper than paying for them one at a time over a bar top and having to tip someone, right? So people aren't really going to a bar to drink. They're going to a bar to feel a feeling and that specific feeling is what the actual niche is. So if you are going to a bar, the hot girl bar, you are going there to feel a feeling and that feeling is desired. You want people to want you. So you dress up, you put your heels on, you look hot today, bitch. Own that shit. You waltz into that bar and every guy in the head and the and fucking half the women too, their head fucking turn as it as you walk in the door and that feels good. The bartender knows your name, you order your drink, you feel fucking amazing, and men are literally fighting to be able to buy you your second. That's amazing. That's the feeling that you came after. So those are what we call the desire niche bars. And we definitely build the aesthetic for that bar much differently than we build the aesthetic for a fucking sports bar. Understand? So we're not trying to be everything to everyone. In fact, we're trying to repel the people who want to just sit and watch sports. We want to attract the people who are either hot bitches or dudes who want to fuck hot bitches. That's really what we're after, right? So that is the hot bar desire niche. And we can move into sports bar niche, right? We're going to have hot girls behind those bars, girls that are kind of mouthy, a little bit bitchy, um, aren't going to put up with dudes being fucking too dependent, dude dependent on them or too demanding. They're going to lay the smack down and put you in your place because that's what you're fucking after today, right? You want a little rough and tumble. You want to blow off some steam. You want to throw back 17 beers while watching the game, yelling at the fucking TV, talking shit about your boss and that girl that you probably didn't actually fuck last week, right? So that is the kind of demographic of a sports bar because what is the desire of a sports bar? What is that main result? What is that feeling that people want to feel when they're in a sports bar? Camaraderie, bitches. That's what they're after. A good, good fucking time. Hugs and high fives all the fuck around. Um, everyone drinking together um, for far too many hours after the game. And, you know, you feel that sense of belonging. You feel that camaraderie. You feel a part of something. Um, you feel like you're on the sports team and that your lucky socks are making or breaking that fucking field goal today. <laughs> Bullshit. But you feel the feeling and it has that kind of cheers-esque, um, that cheers-esque feeling, right? Where everybody knows your name. That's what we're after in a sports bar. So that is a very different demographic, a very different brand, a very different niche to appeal to. So as you can see in bar land, um, it's pretty easy to illustrate why niches are so fucking important. And then we step over into online entrepreneurship where everyone has the same theory. <laughs> 
but Nicole, my offer really could help everyone. Everyone needs help with their fitness. Everybody needs help with their mindset. Everybody needs to make more money. Well, that might be true, Stacy, but guess what? Not everybody wants those motherfucking things. And so if we're niching based on demographics of 35 to 45, then we're going to get ourselves into a fuckhole about this, right? Whereas if we're niching with what actually people want, then we can get the clarity that we need in order to build offers, in order to build brands, in order to build marketing campaigns. They're wildly fucking successful in order to deliver to those people in a way that feels really fucking good to them. So please, I know someone else has already told you this, but let me tell you again, okay? Stop trying to be everything to everybody. You can't be. It's not a fucking thing. Choose who you want to serve. And the best way to do that is by choosing who you do not want to fucking serve. So narrow it down a little bit, cut it in half, slice it down, and then really look at the viability. So this gets us into the beauty of sub-niching. And sub-niching is 100% the backbone of monetization. And this is something that I that I teach inside of my courses um, at a much higher level. So let me give you the foundational basics of what it means to sub-niche, okay? So sub-niche is being able to take your category, your niche, which is already specific, not just I help entrepreneurs. That's not what we're after. What kind of motherfucking entrepreneurs? Guys, get your heads around it. And then breaking it into four different monetizable desire points, okay? So let me tell you what a not monetizable desire point is. You ready for it? Y'all are going to hate this. Your dream life. Build your dream life. Okay, building your dream life is what we call ethereal bullshit, okay? And people can't tether their horse to that cart because it's not real. If you don't have your dream life, then you don't know what a dream life feels like, so you can't imagine it, which means you may want it, but you are not willing to pay for it. And that is the kicker, is that we need people to, yes, want the service that we are offering, but also we need them to be willing to pay for it. And so if it is ethereal bullshit, you will not pay for it because I can be like, hey, uh, Stace, why don't you come over? I've got this unicorn in my backyard. I'm going to sell it to you for a hundred grand. And you're like, "Um, please, Nicole, go fuck yourself. I'm not buying an imaginary creature for a hundred grand, right? That's not a thing. But if you did in fact come over and I showed you that unicorn, you'd shovel out that money so fucking fast, my head would spin, right? The unicorn's head would spin. (laughs) But that's only because you know it's real right? So your dream life is selling people on a concept that they actually don't believe in. That's why we want to tie it down to a monetizable desire. And so these four monetizable desires are our self-help, right? We know self-help is a massive fucking category. So this is the specific improvement of the sense of self. So not dream life, right? But this is like why you go to school, right? You want to better yourself. And that's something that you can believe in because your entire life, you've been told that education betters you. That's why all those how-to books and uh, how to do things for dummies and all of that are so wildly successful because self-help is a viable, monetizable niche where people say, yes, I know that if I improve myself, then I should get more of the things that I want. And they have been taught by the masses their entire life of society to believe that bettering themselves is a good thing. So they will do that, they will invest in it. Then you have the category of health. And this becomes undeniable at some point in our lives, usually. We experience a health scare. So we believe that our health 
is the most important thing in our life, right? Without our health, we don't have anything, right? If we're not healthy, then we can't be happy. And if we're not healthy, um, we can't have relationships. We can't make money. We can't go on vacation. We can't do any of the things that we want to do if we are not healthy. So health is a monetizable niche. Um, just ask the motherfucking insurance companies who are there setting this up so that you stay sick all the time, telling you that you have to pay money in case you do get sick so that you worry about getting sick and you put all sorts of time and attention and energy into the concept of maybe getting sick. But that's a subject for another motherfucking day. Don't ask me about insurance. It's just going to fucking piss you off. <laughs> Unpopular unicorn opinions. So health is a viable monetizable niche because everybody universally believes that your health is very valuable and worth paying for. Then we move into relationships. And we all know that love, because sex sells, <laughs> love is absolutely that unequivocal thing that we all know exists, even if we haven't felt it for ourselves. We have watched enough Lifetime movies and read enough Hallmark cards and sat through enough Valentine's Day to believe that even if no one loves us, that somebody out there could possibly someday, so we are willing to invest time, energy, money, give a fuck, all of the things seeking the ethereal bullshit of love but we do know that relationships matter. And these relationships may not be just the spousal kind. They might be the relationships we have with our children or with our parents or with our friends, but we do as herd animals value relationships intrinsically, right? So we're willing to improve our relationships with money. Um, that is where Valentine's Day came from, right? The willingness to improve relationships with money. That's what Valentine's Day is. So, Yes, this is monetizable. We can make money with love, but the porn industry already told us that, right? Then, of course, we have wealth, and people are always willing to pay money to learn how to make money, so wealth is a monetizable niche by fucking default. So we have these four categories of sub-niche for our greater niche. So if you are a coach that coaches mindset, um, you can coach mindset for the sake of self-improvement. That is monetizable. You can coach mindset for the sake of health, right? You're going to be healthier. Maybe you need mindset to help you kick cancer or to help you um, really be able to work out every single day and eat healthy, right? Then you have the category of relationships. You can definitely sell mindset for relationships. Um, hello, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. That's exactly what that was. Monetization strategies that are viable when it comes to selling mindset for relationships. Yes. And of course, you have money mindset. That is a big motherfucking category. And lots of people make a lot of motherfucking money in money mindset, um, including me. <laughs> so extremely viable, right? So if you take mindset, you could be a mindset coach and that will be very hard to monetize because it is way too broad and you are trying to be everything to everybody. So you are not a specialist. You are in fact a generalist and generalists do not make as much money as specialists do, right? So you want to sub niche. So which one of these four categories do you fall into? And most importantly, have the motherfucking results in. Please do not be a mindset coach for health if you are not healthy. Do not be a mindset coach for wealth if you are not wealthy. It is that motherfucking simple. Find the result that you do in fact have. Inside of my programs, I teach you how to break this down to really find the most viable niche within the competitive market that you are entering to help you to monetize faster, which is 
exactly how I got to seven figures in just 13 months because I was able to sub niche into a hole in the market um, and fill that hole, pun intended as always, <laughs> fill that hole very quickly, hard and fast and be able to skyrocket up to the top of the industry because I did so strategically because, spoiler alert, bitches, I learned how to do this in the bar industry and I learned how to create successful bars based on niche identity um, by taking a look at the locality of the market and what, what the market needed at that moment in time because time is always relevant for all of these things as well. So there's lots of different nuances that go into sub-niching, but what I'd like you to take away from this podcast today is that you should motherfucking do it, okay? That's what you should be after is how can I look at my existing offer and how can I clearly identify a monetizable sub niche? Because that's what's going to help you to be successful faster. And I had one of my clients ask me today, actually, say, but Nicole, should I test all of them? No, <laughs> you should not test all of them. What you should do is look for the one based on the viability worksheet, which I give to them, right? The viability worksheet, how to break this all down so that you understand which one is the most viable for you because you're not looking for which one is the most viable for all of the people in the land. So there's nothing really to test except for how you think and feel about a certain set of circumstances, right? Do you like serving people in relationships? Maybe you don't like working with fucking couples. Do you like serving people when it comes to money? Even if you have money, you might not like to um, help people make money. It might just not sit well with you, right? So it has to be something that you desire, but also something that makes sense in the market. And within the worksheet, we break all that down. So I don't recommend that you test all four. I recommend that you choose intentionally the primary front runner and you label that sub niche number one. And then you put them in descending order of sub niche number two, three, and four. And so in those sub niches, you say, okay, I'm going to make myself a motherfucking promise. I am going to sub niche into this very first one. Number one, sub niche number one, which is our most viable niche that I love the most, that is going to work the best in the market, that's going to make money the fastest. And I'm going to strap that fucking cart up right to the back of that fucking unicorn. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to sprint and I'm going to make seven figures. And after I make seven figures with the first sub niche, then I'm going to expand to sub niche number two, using the experience, the clout, and the now beautiful million dollars that I have to invest back into my business to double down and turn that one million into five or 10, right? So it really is the indication that you commit to a single sub niche um, and become the expert, become the industry leader, become the motherfucking unicorn in that sub niche because that will build you all the clout in the world. And the perfect case in point of this is even though I was helping million and billion dollar companies as a bar consultant to, I mean, literally 10X their fucking revenue, I was taking bars from doing 15K a week to 150K a week. Even though I had that kind of experience and I had that kind of clout, guess what? Nobody, and I mean motherfucking nobody, wanted to listen to money mindset strategies from a broke-ass fucking bartender who got fired from her last two bar jobs. No one. So I needed to go make a million dollars first. And so that's what I did. I went into my sub-niche and I carved it out and I sprinted and I made seven figures in 13 months. And then all of a sudden, everybody wanted help with their money mindset. Weird, right? Weird. Create the results that you want to sell. Make sure that you have them ironclad because guess what? Marketing gets a whole fuck ton of a lot easier when you actually have the results that you fucking sell. So sub niche down, create that motherfucking success and don't put your pants on. Not necessary.
For more trouble, go to realunicornsdon'twearpants.com, hit that subscribe button, and remember, hashtag fuck pants.